Welcome to the In Search For More podcast, where guests join me in my search for more, more from myself and more from life. I'm your host, Ellie Nash. I sit down, sometimes with one person, and often with a panel to talk about various topics I am interested in learning more about. I had an opportunity to sit down with Oz Alvarez. Oz is a serial entrepreneur turned life coach uh, who I was introduced to by a mutual friend of ours. And he's got a really, really, really cool story. He was born in Venezuela. His dad, same name, uh, was a major politician there, ran for the president of Venezuela in the 1990s. Yes, Venezuela, the country which today is a socialist hellhole. And Beside for that part of his uh, story, going into business, and as business does, it usually finds our pressure points. It certainly did with us, especially when his best friend and business partner uh, passed away from uh, a disease real young. And Oz looked at his life and realized that he doesn't want to do what he's doing. And he's been not only working on his own purpose, but working on helping a lot of other people find purpose too, specifically through their careers. An excellent person for me to talk to, and I think an excellent person. Uh, you guys will enjoy this conversation. See you on the other side. Okay, cool. So, Oz, uh, we'll jump right in. Um, I think it would help if people, I mean, some of, you, some of the guys listening again probably know you better than they know me. So, I'll, I'll return with some of my story as well, but just, you know, a little bit about yourself you are what you're doing currently and your story in 60 seconds all right perfect so i'm originally from venezuela um i moved to the u.s in 2001 i came to do my master's degree here and i stay uh i grew up in a very conservative family in venezuela and my father was like a big personality at the time before conservative meaning politically conservative yeah politically conservative um and and i grew up with a lot of uh you know, dogmas and and with a lot of uh, uh, loyalty to a fixed belief system, you know. And once I came to the U.S., I started uh, my own process of reclaiming my identity and starting a totally different path. And since then, I have lived here in the United States. I did my MBA, came to Miami, started my entrepreneurial journey and you know a lot of ups some downs and then i lost my best friend uh to cancer and then that was a big uh chief moment for me and my life in in trying to search for purpose and meaning right, we were talking about that earlier yeah. and you were running an airline at the time yes yes we partnered up uh one day he called me and say uh, he was a, an amazing entrepreneur and one day he called me and say listen there's this an opportunity to, we were in totally different businesses, but he had this passion for aviation and he was like a big dreamer. Um, Howard Hughes. Huh? I said Howard Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he calls me one day and says, listen, there's this opportunity to buy this license in Aruba for an airline. Let's go for it. And I was like, man, you're totally crazy on this one. <laughs> like this, I, I remember I sent him like an article from Warren Buffett saying this is an investor's trap. Don't don't even think about going to the airline business. And later on, he did invest in Warren Buffett actually. But but I told him like, man, this this is crazy. This is like very risky. And he says, no, man, this is a great opportunity. Take a look at the business plan. And I love the business plan. Uh, and your background professionally is finance. So I'm an attorney from Venezuela, and then I did an MBA in finance and strategy. I got it. 
Um, so, well, we ended up partnering and we went in and, and, and many challenges, but the company grew to a decent level. We had four planes. We had over 300 employees. Financially, it was growing. And then he was diagnosed with cancer suddenly. Right. Right. And it took, you know, from the time he was diagnosed to the time of his test was one year. Wow. Uh, it was a good year in terms of connecting with him and having very transcendental conversations. Um, so we had that time, which was amazing in a way. Um, but once he he died, it really, really hit me in terms of, all right, uh, what are you going to do with your life now? You know, uh, what year uh, is this? How, how long ago? So talking this about? was, he, he passed away in December of 2015. So it's recent. Yeah, it's really? recent. I was doing some work internally already, but this was like a totally, you know, different point, uh, of, of going deeper. And that's when I decided, you know, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's when I decided I'm going to do this at all costs, meaning I'm going to live an authentic life, no more bullshit. I'm going to connect with my heart. I'm going to connect with my purpose. And I wanna, I'm going to do whatever it takes, no more excuses. Until 2015, what was driving you? Was it money, image, success? What was the... Well, a lot of things, you know, um, and, and, and sometimes very contradictory things, you know. Uh, I remember when my father uh, lost a presidential election in Venezuela. I was 18 years old. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be independent, um, whatever it takes, because I thought like all the infrastructure of my dad falling apart. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be independent. Uh, you, you kind of rushed through that. So your dad ran for president in Venezuela. Correct. In Venezuela. In Venezuela. He was like, when I was born, he was like the president of Congress and he was having like a very successful career. When I was 18, he ran for president. He lost the election. And that was a turning point for the family. But for me personally, what I saw is like my father was relatively young. He was 52. And what I saw was everything that he had worked so hard for disappeared. Right. Right. Uh, and, and it's interesting to think about when someone goes through an election, it's either you're the man or you don't exist. Yeah. And then it is very tough on those who, that lose, especially a presidential race. And right. if you have been all your life you know, preparing for that, right? Because, and then you go from going 100 miles per hour to being unemployed the next day, you know? Wow. Um, so, so for me, that had a huge impact because earlier in my life, I kind of developed these patterns that I had to be like my dad in terms of the belief system. So I was, uh, I, I totally copy my father's belief system. I was a New York Yankees fan. I was a Republican <laughs> at, at 10, you know. <laughs> um, so that created a lot of problems because you start working very hard to become somebody that's not necessarily you, right? Right. And you create all this, you put on this mask and you put on this suit. Uh, and, and so to answer your question, so at age 18, I said, I'm going to be independent. But then I have all these belief systems around money that was in contradiction to that, right? So I grew up in an environment that at least the way, the story I told myself that was that if I made too much money, I was gonna be suspicious in the eyes of my dad. Uh, so too much money was not good, right? Uh, so- If you made too much money, then what, he'd be 
feel uh, bad. In, in my mind, by the way, this was very unconscious. It took right. me seven years in therapy to figure this <laughs> out, right? Uh, but in my mind, I was using these formulas because I had this pattern that I had to show in the, up in the world, like a very nice guy, a very fair guy. Uh, but I used very absurd business formulas against myself. And I was in victim conscious saying, you know, everybody's screwing me without taking the responsibility of the way I was showing up. And the way I was showing up was with these very contradictory patterns, right? That I have to be nice. Um, so it was not necessarily that people were taking advantage of me. I was setting up the situation right. for people taking advantage of me. But it takes a lot of uh, pain and a lot of suffering uh, to get that awareness and take the responsibility that it was actually my own setup, right? So what was driving me was that I wanted to be financially independent before um, and that I was seeking for validation, right? So. So if I had to get a master's degree, I had to go to a very good university to get the validation of my dad. Uh, and if I was running the airline, you know, that will give me a lot of status too, right? Uh, so, so I, I, you know, it was, uh, I think that, that ambition, right? But uh, following a script, not necessarily my essence, right? So I can say that the periods that I was making more money in my life, I was not necessarily the happier, right? Um, so it took me a lot of reflection and a lot of internal work to make peace with everything, right? And to really understand what abundance means and to really start transforming my life and talking about money and connecting with the energy of money from a health healthy space. So the, the two major shifts for you were one at 18 when your dad lost the election and then later on in life when and the third one i would say in between my divorce got it yeah yeah interesting what's what brought what when you were talking about that uh, showing up in the world as a nice guy and that not being in congruence always with what you wanted or you know success and making money i the thing that brought me into therapy that got me focused in this area of life was i i felt an inability to say no mm. and the way that was manifesting itself where people were asking me for loans that I knew they couldn't repay back. People were asking me for charity that I didn't want to give. And I just found myself, it wasn't only money, but money was what brought me to my knees in that regard where I said, I just, I keep ending up in situations where I'm taken advantage of. And when I walked into uh, the therapist's office the first time, he said, why are you here? And I said, there's a disconnect between my brain and my mouth. I said, I know I'm not I, I, I might be stupid, but I know it's not stupidity that's making me make these decisions because I want to say no. My mind wants to say no, but my mouth says yes, and then my hand writes the check or, you know, or keys in the wire, and then there I am. So, and then from there, within just a few minutes of me talking, he asked me if I was sexually abused, and that was the first person I told, and that, you know, since then, it's just been uncovering, like layers mm -hmm. and layers and layers of onion, layers of the onion. So it's, it was interesting for me when you were talking about that like showing up in the world as a nice guy, did you not want to make your dad feel bad if you had Absolutely. too much success? I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't want to taint his name in any way, right? So I wanted to be always be perceived as nice so nobody could say that the son of Osvaldo did something Who unfair. has the same name. And you Who have the same, the same name. name. As, Correct. Right, so, so, so it's interesting. It's, it's, you know, we develop as, since we are kids. Uh, you know, the Hoffman Institute call it the, called the negative love syndrome. Other people call the process of domestica domestica 
domestication. Um, that when you are a child, to survive, you develop these patterns because even in the most functional families, you cannot have full attention, right? So you develop these patterns. And then you adopt patterns from your parents. You rebel against some of your parents. And, and, and that goes to your programming and to your unconscious mind, right? So how do you change that? Is either you become aware because you get tired of suffering. I, I always talk about the carousel. At some point, I felt like I was in a carousel and I was starting and ending at the same point with the same dramas. Um, or you start open your mind and your heart and you start getting curious about, you know, there's got to be a different way of living. I remember when I was a kid, I saw that movie Truman Show. Right. Not a kid, but but uh, but I was, in a, uh, you know, some years ago was the first time that the movie came. And I was amazed because when I was a kid, I always play my mind with the idea that there's got to be another way of living, right? That this this cannot be it. This it's is like, like Schumann show is one where there's a fake world, right? That yeah, he walks that into, is, everything's on yeah, video so, camera. So right. Jim Carrey, yeah. you know, since he was born, he's put on a studio yeah. and, and you know, everything happens uh, planned, except that he doesn't know, but there starts to be some signals that there's something else. So he right. starts exploring. So I can relate totally to that movie <laughs> because that's what happened in my life. You know, you start to get these signals that there's a different way of living, right? Um, that it, everything is not a th the 3D that we see, that there is something more, right? So that curiosity started me to to get into the retreats and transformational experiences and connecting with people that was on, on, that, path. on that path and that has been a life changer in my life. You, you mentioned that when you made money, like the, the years you were making the most money was when you were the most unhappy. Yes, but I won't. I won't necessarily want to, you know, leave the idea that uh, um, making money is something bad. To the contrary, now I can see it from a totally different right. angle. But what I can say, talking and knowing a lot of people that have money, that money alone is not going. To, what's going to make you happy, right? Uh, there is uh, money is an important component of having a fulfilled life as long as you cover your needs, right? And after that, if you start sacrificing your own happiness because you want more money, that's when we get in trouble. And I think that's what happened in my case is that I sometimes got trapped in some business that I only saw the opportunity, but there was no purpose or meaning. And I was making money, but I was not happy. There were other things happening in my life uh, or around the business that I was not necessarily aligned. And that's what I mean. Yeah, I, f I found in my experience that some of my worst days were when I hit financial goals. So whether it was a target oh, wow. that I had and then arriving there in some measure or seeing that I'm about to arrive there. And then suddenly this, um, it almost felt like my world crashed. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how that works for me is that the, the changes were sometimes prompted by negative things happening mm -hmm. or by positive things that I really wanted to happen to yeah. experience them and then realizing they weren't all they were made out to be. <laughs> yes, so. totally. Uh, so I think, you know, what, what it doesn't mean, what it means, and I think this is an important question to have an abundant life, right? And it's much more, it's having meaningful relationships, it's having joy, it's having, uh, you know, all your needs fulfilled somehow, right? Um, but it's not necessarily only about the money. It, 
it's it's much more than that, right? So how do we align and how we connect to that frequency? Because in my case, on from my experience, I was disconnected from having an abundance mentality. So so, so what happened between 2015 and today after you? Your partner passed. Well, I said to myself, I'm going to take one year to organize whatever I have to organize to exit the company. Selling it, or yeah, and 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 then I hire a coach and I started this internal work of connecting with myself. Right, I was so tired of carrying that spacesuit, if you want to call it that way, um, that I said I want to connect. So, so the feeling that you had um, was just that you were. You were showing up in the world as someone else. You were Correct. in someone else's movie. Correct. This isn't who you were, totally. who you were meant to be, and you're acting. This is, I got to go to work. I got to do this. This is what I got to care about. You know, it's, it's interesting because I got, in, on my birthday, uh, after I exited the airline, I got into the elevator. Uh, I was going for the dinner on my birthday, and somebody got in the elevator and says, oh, wow, I just watched an interview of this guy who was in Yale for 37 years, and he was not guilty, Right. And I and that struck me like I says, wow, I've been living in autopilot, right, right. <laughs> for so many years. I'm gonna claim my life. I'm gonna claim my authenticity. I'm gonna find out what my purpose is, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. So, so where did you start? So therapy was a you know the first container that I had uh, to become vulnerable and start talking about really what was going on, right? And then um, one thing started to lead to another one. I did a journey with plant medicine that expanded my my mind a lot. Uh, I did a lot of retreats at the Chopra Center. I then went to the Hoffman Institute and did uh, the retreat, this retreat that is all around getting rid of toxic patterns. Um, and then I did a Joe Dispenza week-long retreat. Yeah. Uh, so I started this journey about you know, going inward, going inward. What are the tools out there? Uh, what are the best experiences that I can find to really connect and live a, a, a life fully? So, and, and today what you do for work is life and strategy coach. Correct. So, so I what did, is that? So, so practically, I, what does so, that mean? So what happened to me is, you know, during my entrepreneurial journey, I saw a lot of things uh, in partnerships, you know, in dramas with partnership, in disconnections, in lack of alignment, alignment uh, all the things that can go bad in businesses. Uh, I have a lot of experience because I went through and in part because of the way I show up in this business. So I said to myself, you know, how can I combine all these? And then if you ask, for example, the family of my best friend, they will say he passed away because of the stress of the airline, right? right? So I said, you know, I'm going to help uh, as many as entrepreneurs as I can. So that's your focus? That's my focus. Help as many entrepreneurs as I can to show up authentically and as their best version in their businesses and create an ecosystem instead of an ecosystem so everybody elevates. You and, say, I call, and I call that the co-elevation energy. You said a what kind of system instead of a what kind of system? <laughs> I said an, an, a, a true ecosystem for growth instead an of ecosystem. Oh, an ecosystem instead of an <laughs> yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. I got it. So... Does it does it always mean selling the business for someone? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, totally not. Sometimes means aligning your personal purpose and uh, uh, and the business, and sometimes does mean evolving your business and and getting into something else. Uh, so happens. Uh, but certainly being open to it. Absolutely. Yes. See, I, absolutely. I feel from for myself, I've been uh, there were kind of two phases for me in the personal development. The first was therapy mm -hmm. world. And that went from about 2008 to 2013. 
Um, and that's when I hit my bottom getting into a relationship and realizing that I wasn't able to stay faithful and realizing my uh, addiction to sex and pornography and saying, okay, I really got to change my way of life. And this once a week therapy is not going to cut it. And that's when I got into a 12 step and recovery from addiction. And that's a, just a completely different animal. Uh, that's for, for me was investing my whole life in, into that world. And then everything had to flow secondarily from it. And since then I felt like my business and my work life is this backpack that I like, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm dragging along behind me. And sometimes I feel like, oh, it's awesome. And it provides for me and provides for my family and gives me access to do some things in the world. And other times I feel like it's, uh, it's handcuffs, yeah. <laughs> golden handcuffs that I yeah. can't release myself from to see what would I really do in the world if I didn't have this um, business that I have to focus on. So this conversation is meaningful for me, not a... You know, I, I don't take most of the conversations that I, I have like this and these webinars are not meant for me to say, I learned something and I want to teach it. I'm interested in learning it yeah. and having the conversation and exploring it in that way. So for me, this conversation is, is that. And I've been, um, you know, going back and forth with what role the business plays uh, in my life now that I've changed significantly. I started this business in 2006 and I feel like a completely different person than I was when I started, but it's yeah. still with me. And there's no, there's no really good way to, hey, you know, sayonara, I'm out. Yeah, but I think, you know, one of the things going back to those patterns, right, is, um, is to really have conscious choices, right? Uh, one thing is, to, you know, if you go and make a lot of money and you're making a lot of money because you're running from yourself uh, or, you're, or you have that need to prove something mm -hmm. to the world, but it's a pattern. It's something that is automatic. It's not something that you're consciously necessarily aware. And another thing is when you are consciously aware and then you, make, you, you have options and then you think through and you may you say, you know, I need my business to get to this point or to help me find my purpose. And then you use it, but you have now the awareness to do so. My problem was that I was in totally autopilot. I was not aware. Uh, so once you start becoming aware, you know, then you can start start having some conscious choices and control over these patterns, you know, that you don't go by default of, uh, I have a lot of friends that they are making a lot of money, but it's like they're always running from themselves, right? right? Uh, so what is really uh, behind making a lot of money, right? So, so typically when you're working with someone, right? So you're working with an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, even if they don't care about making money in their personal life, they have to make money in their business to keep yeah. it alive. So money becomes a focus. Do you, do you find when working with you that they end up making more money or less money or not important? Is no, a lot of them actually make much more money, right? Because if we improve their business, right, and we create an environment for trust and vulnerability and the best idea wins, and we create this container and we actually uh, force the ecosystem of the company to create an ecosystem for growth, actually the results are pretty amazing, right, financially, Right, that in terms of the business, in terms of personally, that can happen as well. Right, what I want is not the, you know, every entrepreneur to become a yoga instructor. Right, <laughs> it's, that's that's not what I'm talking. About. What I want is them to unlock their fullest potential, and that can imply making ten times more money. Right, but if if the 2020 version of you met the 2015 version of you, would do you think you'd been able to work with yourself not to sell the airline and to find a meaning through that? Um, 
Yeah, probably. That's a that's a that's a great question. Probably, you know. But I think at that stage of my life, it was uh, so painful for me the death of my best friend. Right. That I and I, it was so an intense life and stressful life that I needed the time. But I, but I think you know, having found uh, coaches at that time with the experience of going through something similar, yeah, possibly. You know, I I I, I could see that as a possibility. Yeah. Have you have you heard the saying the price of security is insecurity? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think about that sometimes because I'm uh, I'm about as paranoid as it gets, especially around money stuff. And sometimes you know I say, hey, that's my job. My job is to be to be paranoid and worry about this and worry what can go wrong here and worry what can go wrong there. And that's not always obviously the best personality. And on another side of it, it manifests itself as anxiety and yeah. you know sometimes not being able to to sleep, but. The question is, what happens? And that's some of the thought that I, some of the thoughts that I go through. If I went completely to the other end, and I was just totally relaxed, would I? Would it be better or worse? Right? The price of security is insecurity. <laughs> if I got rid of the insecurity, and I've heard this from friends yeah, also, friends yeah. of mine who are very wealthy, and they say to me, and you know, I'm always having conversations about personal development, and it's a passion of mine for, you know, to. To work, to be intentional, to yeah. what do I what do I want to be? How do I want to grow? I, you know, we we talk about education in children as something that's so important, and very most adults don't engage in any education, right? We're the same person. Naturally, we're going to be the same person um, at twenty as we are at sixty, unless yeah. we start doing the things that you mentioned. You know, the Hoffman Institute and these retreats and these books, and we're engaging in adult adult education. And some of these friends of mine who are well who are real wealthy say. I, I know I have this stuff going on, but I'm afraid that if I touch it, then I won't make as much money. Mm -hmm. I, I recognize that I'm a mess. I recognize that, you know, I need an Adderall in the morning and a sleeping pill at <laughs> night and a Percocet, you know, at noon. I, I recognize these things, but I'm afraid that if I stop, then I won't make that much money. So I think that's a key and that's a key question, right? Well, or you want to really go for being... Uh, having a fulfilled life and really flourish uh, or do you want to just make money and have that security, right? Because it takes a lot of, you will face a lot of uncertainty, right? Because if you're not happy, but you're doing the same things every day, you're taking the same actions, the same choices, same experience, you're going to get to the same place and you're going to keep making more money, but nothing else is going to change, right? So it takes risk to 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 change that and you're going to face a lot of uncertainty and that's that that could be very tough but then again an uncertainty is with the magic happens is where the creativity happens is where new things happen is where you start doing and connecting with the things that you like as a child and you start exploring um, and I don't necessarily think it has to be black and white for me it has been black and white because I took like this <laughs> radical decision that I'm going all in and I'm going to do whatever it takes and, and there were periods it's a, it was very tough. All the uncertainty, the opportunity cost coming from a right. financial background and saying, okay, you know, how much money um, I'm burning and the opportunity of cost of, you know, having a job or producing or starting another uh, another business, right. uh, you know. Um, so, so I think, you know, in terms of an abundance mentality, right, I think you have, and connecting that with meaning and purpose, if you have this abundant mentality and you open up and you start chasing instead of the money, the opportunities, right? But the opportunities that are more aligned with your purpose, I have no doubt on my life that you're not going to have a money problem, you know? 
I have no doubt in my life, in, in my experience, that you're going to have money. Whether you're going to be richer or not, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know. But you're not going to have a money problem. Right. Maybe it won't. I, I guess it's a different framework because maybe it's not as important. You know, it's a, sometimes in recovery when I'm working with someone at the beginning and it kind of feels like the same, some will say, okay, if I go through this process, will I definitely end up in a relationship? Let's say working with someone single and definitely end up in a relationship with someone I, I love and um, that, you know, whatever, right? All aspects of the relationship are amazing. So as I'll say that, you know, you're looking at it from a framework that as you work through the process of healing, because an, an addiction like this is a dependency, a dependency on people. It's an addiction to people and the feelings that people give us. And I said, you're looking at it through your current eyes, but in two years from now, when you're not quite as addicted to people and as dependent on people, it won't matter as much. Not that relationships aren't important, but relationships don't become everything, which is, I think, what you're saying yeah. with money. It's not that it's not important. It's just... If you end up doing the work, money is not the central focus. You'll be okay. You may not. You may be richer. You may not yeah, be richer. Right. Correct. That's, I guess, the risk that someone uh, I, takes I, when going into I, this work. Yeah, I think it's just a different mindset, right? Uh, and I think uh, a lot of people, depending on the business they go, they will be super rich. And we have seen that. There's a lot of people with uh, with purpose and meaning, uh, making billions of dollars, right? So, you know, going back, I think, you know, listen, I one of the things that changed my life because I was trying so hard to become somebody, right, in that script. By age of X, I have to have so much money. I have to have done all this and all that. Um, is that one day I stop asking, you know, I'm praying for the things that I want. And I really start asking for why I'm here, you know. What is life expecting from me instead of always me asking for what I want, right? right. And I say, you know, I really want to be more in the flow of why is it that I'm here, right? And that's also one of the things that are changing my life uh, because that's when I really started to have meaningful relationship with people without, again, the mask and heart-to-heart conversations, without the, the, the whole BS around my script, so uh, when when you're coaching people, working with people, why do you focus specifically on entrepreneurs? Well, I think because that's my journey, right? And uh, that, you understand that, yeah. I think, uh, and and because I know uh, from my own experience that the entrepreneurial journey has a lot of ups and downs, and it can be lonely. You know, it can be very lonely. Uh, so I'm all from creating this ecosystem between entrepreneurs that we can help each other, that we can create this safe space to be totally vulnerable um, and and get into that energy of co-elevation, right? That that we can help each other heart to heart without all the, again, all the scripts and, and, and all that. Are there certain common things you see um, amongst entrepreneurs? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think... I'm sure there are, but if there's like, is there one or two that you always see, hey, these are... Like people are always stumbling. They're starting a business a few years in. They're like always stumbling on this thing. Well, there are there are there are many patterns, as you know. But I think uh, many times, especially at the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey, uh, there could be a lot of drama. 
you know, in the relationships with uh, significant other, others because of the amount of time that an entrepreneur needs to be on the business, um, partnerships. You mean, so you mean drama in their personal life or drama in the business in, life, in, like partners, well, employees? Well, in, in both, right? In both. And that's, and that's part, of the, part of the big pattern that I see, right? Is that usually when you're not in your best version, sometimes you have drama all over, right? You have drama in your personal life, you have drama on the business, right? Um, but there are stages. So you're suggesting that, if I understand correctly by the word pattern, that the entrepreneurs that you're working with are creating this drama? Absolutely. Somewhere. Yeah. So absolutely. what is it that's creating that? So, so many times, again, is because there, there's no awareness around your own patterns, right? So, for example, in, in my patterns that I have to be nice, I will avoid conflict, right? Right. And I was running a company with 300 employees, and sometimes I will avoid conflict with a manager. Um, so I will do all type of toxic things to, to solve the issue instead of having uh, a face-to-face healthy conflict conversation, right? Uh, so that happens a lot in the entrepreneurial world. For example, there are companies where it's evidently somebody does not fit the culture, right? And the entrepreneur that goes years and years and cannot fire him, right? So he's creating all this toxicity within the company that is helping nobody, right? Uh, and then that is creating a lot of drama. And sometimes they're not even aware where that pattern is coming from, right? So it's this awareness of, you know, if you really have to want to show up as the best version of yourself and you really want to do what is best for you and the people that work for you, you have to make some tough decisions, but you have to always uh, have these, putting this light on your blind spots and understanding when you're not uh, doing things from an authentic place, why and how we can fix that behavior so you evolve and the whole company evolve. Interesting. I, uh, as you're saying this, I'm remembering that I had, maybe maybe some people think I still have drama in relationships, but I don't feel like that now. But early on in um, the, my business, it was everywhere. Yeah. Drama amongst employees, my partner, I mean, just... Well, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the drama triangle, right? So the drama triangle, you have three roles. You are the villain, you're the victim, and you're the hero. Right. Right? And in any drama, there are those three roles. And if you think in your family with your kids, you can think of millions of examples that you play the three roles in the same drama, right? (laughs) Right. So if you don't have that awareness... Hero, victim, villain. Correct. So if you don't have that awareness, you're putting energy to these roles all the time. Right, and by default, depending on the relationships, you have more tendency to become one of these roles. Right, what happens when you are putting energy to these roles? We call it you are below the line, and when you are below the line, you are just in reactive mode. So you. This are is from the um, fifteen commitments of conscious discipline, right? Well, there are many spiritual books. That Eckhart Tolle talks in his book. Uh, the so below the line. The the uh, the drama triangle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a super cool and interesting concept because like in my relationship with my girlfriend, we know exactly when we are below the line, right? And we can say, you know, right now I'm below the line, give me some time so, we, you know, we can have this conversation and don't have this uh, 60 second discussion that we both are going to regret, right? So it's this awareness and tools about how are you showing can up. Can we talk about the, the line for a second, just because we're using a term that some people may not be familiar with? Yeah, so being below the line is being putting energy is putting energy in one of these roles. So it's being reactive and being either the victim or being the, the villain or being the hero. 
what the alter ego of those figures is you can be the coach, right? You can be the challenger. Uh, so you can, instead of being on victim consciousness, you are in creation. You are thinking about what's the best possible outcome that I can create from this instead of being committed to being right, right? So right. one of the things also that happened in my life is that I was so fixed on a belief system, right? That I was so committed always to being right. You know, I, wa I was the owner of the truth, whether it was in politics or whether it was... So I will have all these passion discussions, serial curiosity, right? I was committed to being right and showing your face how right I was, uh, I was being. So that happens a lot in the entrepreneurial world as, as well. You have very smart entrepreneurs, one main shows, but that has a cap. You can still make a lot of money, but you're going to have tons of drama in your companies, right? Because everything, all the decisions, uh, you are the one that takes a decision. Nobody knows in your team what you're thinking. That right. creates a lot of drama, right? Uh, and still, a lot of people can be successful money-wise, but what are you creating for yourself? A lot of drama, a lot of turnover, Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of toxicity. unhealthy right. and toxicity things, right? Um, so I love that tool of being, you know, because you can immediately know whether you are below the line or above the line. Also, I, I talk a lot with entrepreneurs with a similar tool, similar tool is that many times we are too much in our head because of programming, right? And we're committed to being right. And sometimes I ask a simple question. I say, where are you right now in this topic? Are you in your head or are you in your heart? Because sometimes, even for the simple decisions, right, we are so much on our head that we're not even thinking. And when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I'm totally in my head. I could say yes, and there's nothing isn't going to happen, right? But we are in this programming. So definitely uh, drama is a huge thing in the life of, of, uh, of everybody, but I can see it on the entrepreneurs because if you're not aware of these things, you start hiring people and people are start being part of that drama, right? And we are triggering each other all the time. So you can take an opportunity with these tools in a leadership team, for example, that I do a lot of that work with leadership teams and say, all right, we can take this opportunity to grow together, And every, every time there is a trigger, we're going to use these tools to go deeper, to find out what's going on, and help each other grow, right? And to really create teams, because not every group is a team, right? So what, what, what it takes to create a team is to create you know, a safe space for trust so vulnerability can happen. Uh, and that takes a lot. You, know, you, you need to invest in that to create real teams that really... Uh, can hold each other accountable from a safe place, you know? Yeah. I, when I started showing up at work in a way that people felt like they can talk to me without getting a book thrown at them, <laughs> um, that was one of, their, one of their complaints with me was that I would go off and do my own thing, and they had no idea. So it was just, yeah, I'd speak to a customer, we just agree we're taking on a new initiative, and then things start happening, but <laughs> there was no communication to anyone else that, hey, we just agreed we're going to do this, and the finance guy didn't know that, There's money needed for this opportunity. The operations guy had no idea. We just committed to a bunch more work, and it would just show up one day. It's like, okay, why, why, couldn't you why couldn't you tell me you had that conversation? And that was, I just didn't have a, um, I didn't think of it. It right, yeah. didn't register as something that I needed to communicate. They were there to get work done and just, you know. Yeah, and that's, uh, you, you know. Get busy working and in this mindset that no one's going to do anything right anyway, so. 
No one understands, and when it comes, you'll deal with it. Yeah, and that's why I think, for example, Ray Dalio in his books talks about, you know, the two biggest barriers for growth in business is our ego and blind spots. Right. You know? So if you don't create a system that helps you, you're going to have that cap. Even if you're making millions of dollars, you're going to have that cap, and you're going to have that all, that toxicity, toxicity in your life. Really interesting. Is there Are there any other patterns that you see um, common with, with entrepreneurs? Well, I think the biggest one is that one, right? That you avoid taking some actions because there is something that you develop as a child, right? Uh, but it's not the only it's not the, 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 the only one, right? Sometimes, again, from people that have this need to make a lot of money no matter what, Right. right, but they're totally unhappy and they have a, a personal life that but is it's just doubling down in that direction. Correct, correct. So when I'm working with entrepreneurs, is I'm not working to try to let them to some path or another one. What I want is them to have awareness and choices. I was going to ask you that. How do you measure success with someone you work with? Uh, that's a very interesting. I think if they feel that they are flourishing, really flourishing, meaning that they feel they're having meaningful relationships, that they are dealing with their tough conversations and they're evolving uh, this, this toxicity around them and the ecosystem is changing. Uh, if they're finding meaning in what they're doing, uh, those are the type of things that, 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 that I will give a lot of, uh, that I will consider a huge success. So usually what happens is, when I'm starting working with entrepreneurs, the first thing that I want them to conquer is peace, you know, because because that's what happened in my case. I didn't have peace. I have a, I had a lot of anxiety. So the first win for me is peace. And I think you start getting a nurturing peace when you start uh, expanding your awareness and start searching for purpose. You, you might not be there, but when you start that journey, when you start that curiosity, when you start open up, and saying, you know, why I'm here, I'm going to find out, I'm going to put the effort and the intention on that, and I'm going to improve my personal operating system, something starts shifting internally, and you start nurturing your peace. Then I want them to have a joyful life, right? So for me, it's peace, it's joy, and then the overall concept of abundance, right? You're getting things done, you're accomplishing things, Um if you are having, a, if you have ambitions, goals, and you are following those opportunities, we are doing everything that it takes in order to you, for you to get there, right? But I try to help them to think in terms of opportunities again, and not chasing the money, even though the money is part of the strategic component of the company, and 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 we can have that as a measure. We need to get here to accomplish it. But it's what we're following is the opportunities, you know. There's a great line I saw once. It said. Um, money in a business is like gas in a car. Yes. Um, your your journey is not um, like a, a trip from one gas station to the next, right? Something, something like that. But it is Correct. important. Yeah, of it's course. important to get there. Yeah, of course. You know, it like, becomes the focus. Yeah, it's like an airplane, right? Going to to my business, you need a lot of gas to get that uh, that engines on and to get to one point to another, right? So it's a key component of where you want to get, but it's not all, right? Right, and it helps. Right, it yeah. helps as well. Yeah, yeah, know, absolutely. You know, the first to say that money's a, a beautiful thing, and I, and I gotta tell you, I have no doubt um, because it's that energy that I feel. 
that I'm going to be making and I'm going to make more money than any of my previous business doing what I love, right? Uh, so there is no conflict there. I, I don't think you need to sacrifice uh, necessarily. But anyhow, the bigger question is not even that one for me. The bigger question is I, I, I want to have a, a, a life where I feel that I'm at peace, that I have meaning, and that all my material needs are covered, right? Everything else is very welcome, but it's not the priority chasing the money anymore. Right, right? It's not the money at all costs. It's not the money at all costs. I love that. Yeah. Right. It's not the money at all costs. Do we have any uh, questions from those hanging out, listening in? If you guys do, by all means, uh, by all means, chime in. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear more. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, about plant medicine yes. and that experience. Can you talk a little bit about what that, what that did for you? And Yeah, man, totally. So I uh, had a major experience when I started uh, learning. Plant medicine, we're talking about ayahuasca, ayahuasca or something like that. So, so, so a major experience that I had first was with psilocybin, right? And it was a beautiful journey. Uh, a good friend of mine that I... That I love him and he's in a beautiful past. Uh, we, we were having all these, these, we call it the power lunches once a month. And he was telling me about this and I was not open to that. Right. But right, how does it differ um, from just using drugs? Right. At a yeah. The way I see it, you know, is, for, you know, that first the intention that you are putting on it. Um, and also, what happened to me, you know, is when I was having doubts, I was going also to the Chopra Center a lot, and I saw this documentary of Chopra, for example, and they asked him the question, and he said, you know, if you are in the spiritual path... They asked him which question about... About uh, psychedelics. or psychedelics. Yes, and they asked him the question, if you are in this path, and he said, if you are in this spiritual path, and this comes your path, and it resonates with you, do it, right? So that was exactly what happened. At that point... It resonated with me. I started doing some research. I did the psilocybin. It was a beautiful experience. It opened my mind. When they say this is like 10 years of therapy, it's like 10 years of therapy for me. So you're so, doing it with a guide. I'm doing so, it, oh yeah, exactly, with a facilitator, with a container, and a, with like a spiritual ceremony with the intention of healing and growth, right? Of connecting with myself. So I did that the first time, and then... I uh, but by then I was hearing a lot the uh, the word ayahuasca and I was following Tim Ferriss and Tim Ferriss was talking right, a lot. Tim Ferriss is huge in psychedelics. He's I think huge. he wants to start a, uh, a and venture love, firm for you know uh, uh, he, he, he medicine. yeah he gives money to it. and I love his approach because Tim Ferriss uh, is a very center guy right? right and I love his approach so I listen to his podcast and he says listen if you're gonna do this I'm all pro but you go you better go to a place that they do it a lot. Because this is like getting a brain surgery. You want to go to a doctor <laughs> that have done this a lot, that they have the experience, they have the right, the, the, the right container and the right facilitators, right? So I started searching and I found this place in Costa Rica called Rhythmia. And I flew there and uh, we w I was there for a week. And we did four ayahuasca trips and it was uh, a tough but beautiful experience. And my life did change after that because the level of expansion and connection, um, it's something beyond words. So, so what does it mean, tough? 
What is it? What happens? Well, physically, phys- it could be physically tough. Like I was purging a lot. Uh, like the last Just night, vomiting and vomiting and uh, in the diarrhea. I was in the bathroom a lot. Uh, I remember the last day, uh, which was a tough medicine, the tougher one from Colombia. Um, they would call like for the second time to take some more, and I couldn't get up. Like I was on the floor and I couldn't get up. And uh, and and I remember at one point I started crying, right? And I was crying and crying and crying. And then I saw myself like from outside, and I said, you know, I'm not. This this is not. I'm not crying because I'm feeling something. I'm crying. So I start feeling all the pain of my dad, my mother, my brothers, my sisters about some specific event, right? And and then I felt mine. And then I did like a whole healing with me and the family and all this. So so it can be really meaningful and transcendental work. Um, so you know, for me, it has been a life changing experience. No doubt about that. And then what changes afterwards? So I think first is that you start healing some stuff that you were not aware of, right? You, you, there are certain things that happen in your life. Uh, some, sometimes you don't even remember things that happen in your life that in these journeys come up. But other times you start connecting the dots of some of your toxic patterns, where they came from, and then you can start doing the work of healing those. Sometimes you are able even to heal it during one of these journeys, right? Like, you know. So what a consistent is bubbling things up to the surface that you... That are in your unconscious mind and they're coming up and then you can deal with it. And do you recommend for for people who are getting involved in this? Very early on in the process of healing, or no, I, I later I, on, or what's you know, I think you need you know, ideally to have a framework and some tools to integrate these experiences, right? So, having like a meditation practice or going to a place like the Hoffman Institutes on or or some of the retreats that I'm doing for people, because in these retreats, you get the tools and the framework to deal with this very intense experience and actually integrate in your life because sometimes it's like a huge expansion of consciousness and then you need to integrate that right if you keep doing this uh, plant medicine thing and these journeys and you don't have the right tools to to integrate this i think it can be very very dangerous so so it's important it's like drinking a lot of protein shakes and not going to the gym correct totally totally yeah. you're just gonna you gain need, a lot of weight you need to have the right container to integrate this experience and a framework to integrate this experience afterwards and um and it's not a competition, no? It's not that you have to do a journey every week, right? right. It's, a, it's something that if you're working with a facilitator or you're working with somebody that has a lot of experience, um, you know, you're going to do it as needed uh, and not as, as you think you need it right. and you go there just to... But you credit this, um, the, the journey into plant medicine, for lack of a better word, you credit that with a lot of your personal growth and development. No doubt, no doubt in my no doubt in my mind. Uh, uh, this this sense of connection with something, you know, this realization. Because you hear this from a lot of spiritual leaders that said, you know, we are a spirit having a human experience, right? Right. We are a soul having a human experience and all that. Okay. You one one thing is to think about that, and another thing is to have that realization when you are in one of these intense experiences that you are connected. Uh, to something, uh, you know, bigger, right? Got it. So someone, someone here asked a question. Um, you said earlier that you had the question of why am I here? What's, you know, what am I doing on this planet? 
He says, was it meditation, surrender, seeking it that helped you find it? Did you ultimately find it? Didn't you find it? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think I found it. Like like I like I feel I'm living now a life uh, with meaning, and for me that is uh, this journey back to myself of being completely authentic. It's not that I'm a completely authentic, right? right. But this commitment to being uh, totally authentic and living from my heart instead of from my mind, and helping others to do so, right? So this co-elevation energy. Uh, it's so fulfilling for me because every time I get in a room and I create a safe space to vulnerability to happen and to real connection to happen heart to heart, you can witness magic. I, I have witnessed magic. Uh, I have witnessed people opening up and people going to their hearts and having empathy and connection uh, and getting out of their heads, right? Uh, so I'm totally committed to that. So I'm doing a lot of stuff around that, around creating those ecosystems, uh, uh, those masterminds and helping entrepreneurs in their companies to create those ecosystems. And that's super fulfilling. So in a nutshell, for me, is unlocking my own potential by helping others to do so. That's what you see as your purpose. Absolutely, no right. doubt. It's continuously working on yourself in order to allow for you to be able to to help others? Well, uh, you know, it works both ways, right? But right. yes, because the more I help people, the more I help myself, and I'm experimenting that. I liked what you said earlier where you said that something shifts as soon as you start searching, right? Absolutely. Even before you find it. Just, I want to I wanna go on this path. I want to... Listen, there are many days that I wake up with uh, my dark side, right? That I wake up uh, pessimistic, that I wake up... Um, being Anxious. my being my worst enemy instead of my best friends, but more and more it happens less and less, and I recover faster, right? And I think that's part of you know improving your operation system and this connection, right? Uh, someone here asked, uh, would you suggest for anyone who's an aspiring life coach to also get an educational background in mental health? Um. You know, I think right now what is happening is that there are a lot of tools and a lot of research in the area of neuroplasticity and how to change and connect with uh, getting rid of toxic behaviors and connecting with healthy behaviors. So I think that's super important for a life coach, right, to have that that type of tools. And sometimes these are simple visualizations that you can do with the people you're working with. Um, so I think it's uh, it's totally worth it. I think I think the way I see it, the more tools you can get you personally in your own growth, that's what you're going to use in helping other people, right? Right. Uh, so just being curious and getting what are the best practices out there uh, to help people uh, connect with their authentic qualities, unlock their potential, and as, as I'm working on me, those are the, I use the tools that have worked on me, right? Uh, and, 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 and that's why I'm so committed, I'm so engaged in this process, because I have changed my life totally. Um, so, and I see how that, it resonates with other people and is helping other people. You mentioned that you run retreats as well. Yes. So what type of retreats? So so we're doing a, now during COVID also. <laughs> so so we have one at the end of January in Costa Rica that we don't know if we're going to need to postpone, but the whole intention about the retreat is connecting with yourself and and it's for entrepreneurs. It's for entrepreneurs. Yeah. 
Uh, and the whole idea is to go into this process of pattern recognition and connection with yourself and all these tools that you can use. Uh, because that's one of the other things that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the plant medicine is that when you have these intense experiences, right, you can then be in awareness hell. Right, <laughs> you are aware, but you don't know what to right, do. Right, exactly. Right, so it's not only about getting the awareness; it's about getting the right tools. So this is the things that I'm totally committed. That it's not that you are aware. I'm gonna help and work with you with some tools so you can deal with what we are uncovering. Here. So on these retreats, um, you include plant medicine? No, no, no. It's not. No. We do some breath, breath work. Cool. Uh, but I've done not, a lot of breath work. Yeah, but not 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 plant medicine again because I don't think necessarily that plant medicine by itself is the solution. I think it's one of the tools. But I think again, in order to to get there, in my experience, my suggestion is that you have some tools before and some spiritual practice and some awareness and some. Uh, knowledge before going into there if I you decide it. So, so you're gearing your retreats to people who are really in the very early process Correct. of it. Correct. Yes. Someone who's just opening up and saying, yeah. I'm frustrated with work, maybe things are going well, maybe things aren't, but I'm not doing well. I yeah. need some help. And even and even people that are that have done uh, plant medicine, this retreat will help them as well because again, you will pick up a lot of tools. And so, so one thing that happened to me is that when I started this work around patterns recognition and automatic behaviors and the unconscious mind and the programming and all that, um, is that. This is like a cross-training, right? One thing helps with another. And when you're in the spiritual path, you start seeing all these synchronicities. And I can say how one retreat prepared me and and and, and, and got me ready for the next one, right? Um, so even if you have done a lot of plant medicine, if you don't have, if you get the knowledge of how these patterns work, the next time you do a journey with plant medicine, it's going to be much more meaningful. You have more, more, tools, you have uh, a, a better framework of how these things work, and you're going to be able to work through these things from a much healthier place. That's cool. And so the retreat is also geared towards entrepreneurs. Yes. Right, someone here said, imagine a retreat filled with aware entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, that'll be beautiful. You know, part of part of, uh, part of the things that I'm doing as well is we're creating uh, an organization here in Miami called the Local Leaders Collective. And it's for entrepreneurs. And the idea of these organizations is to put entrepreneurs on masterminds of between six and eight people um, with the idea of race, you know, consciousness and their operating system, and they can help each other. Uh, so I do ambition doing some retreats with uh, with entrepreneurs that have this intention of raising consciousness and, and leading um, from from the heart. What do you make of this uh, spiritual explosion that seems to be going on in the world? There's a, there's a lot more than it used to be, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. A listen, more awareness and listen. I think we definitely are entering in a different era, right? And I think this COVID, you, uh, a good friend of mine told me the other day, you have evidence for both cases, right? You can make the case this is happening for you, or you can make the case this is happening to you. Right. It depends on where you're going to put your energy. But having said that, you know, this is like a collective heart attack, right? We all got a heart attack, and now how are you going to deal with it? You're going to keep living your life the same way, or are you going to make changes in your life? So if you're unhappy and this is hitting you, and you're facing all these, and you're facing all these 
uncertainty, what are you going to do about that, right? So I think, you know, everything that is happening is people are searching for more purpose and more connection and really reassessing your priorities. And that's usually what happens when we go through something very tough, right? You reassess and you say, well, uh, uh, after I lost my best friend, I reassessed my priorities, right? And I committed more to connecting with myself. So uh, definitely there is uh, a lot of that happening, uh, which I think is wonderful. I think it's part of the it's part of the evolution, right? right? Even you can make fun of some things that you see out there in the <laughs> spiritual world, but in general, that commitment uh, and and then I think social media and everything, having like a guy like Tim Ferriss doing all these podcasts and interviewing all these interesting people and access to that, so you don't have to be hooked to traditional television. And actually, if you're curious, you're gonna learn a lot from amazing people that have good intentions and it's going to help you grow tremendously. So I, 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 I welcome that and I'm fascinated by that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I often tell people that whether you believe the world is random or you believe there's a guiding force, like you'll be proven right either way. <laughs> exactly. Because right? if you meet someone and say, it's not chance, right? even for example, we met, right? We were introduced by a mutual friend and that can just be random. We can have one conversation and nothing can ever come from it. Or you say, hey, it's not random that I met someone, so I'm going to make it not random. And suddenly you're doing something and you know the person and you're creating an event together. And now it's, oh, cool, I met this guy, which seemed random. I take it even a step further. I often challenge people who go through, this was my own experience, right, is going through a very painful child sexual abuse for a few years. The shift for me after a certain time was saying, what if it wasn't random? Right? What if I was chosen and selected for this? And while, yeah, there's some, there's one part of my brain that says, oh, wow, that would be like a really cruel <laughs> God to put someone through that. I mean, that's fine, and someone can hold that belief. But for me, I said, okay, I, I was chosen. So I can say that for myself. I'm not saying it for someone else. But to say for myself that I was chosen for that, and then suddenly I can help people who went through that experience in ways that other people can't. Absolutely, man. And I think that's an important part also of living a life above the line, being the co-creator of your life instead of the victim, right? And where are you putting your attention, right? So what you were saying about and this... And both will be proven right, like yeah, you said. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and there's evidence, there's yeah, sufficient evidence yeah, for both. But one of the things that happened to me, for example, in one of those journeys, is that I got so many messages and signals from nature, for example, right? And I was like, wow, this has been there all the time, but I was not paying attention, right? And then I was coming today here, and I was thinking in the car, what am I going to talk about? And I was telling Sandra, the car in front of me had a sticker that said, tell your story. Oh, yeah. Right. So, and I took a picture, I'll show it to you. And you said, you know, you say to yourself, you know, Either we're paying attention or we're so distracted that we're not right. paying attention. But this is all over the place. Every time we meet somebody, right? Is it random, is it not? It, it, correct, right? right? So so I choose And now, both are true. Yeah, but I choose now to put my energy, uh, you know, like the famous Einstein quote that everything is a miracle, right? Right. So I choose to put that energy there. Everything is a miracle. Everything is happening for me. And if it doesn't make sense, it will make sense, right? So that's the type of energy that uh, that I'm choosing to put right now. Yeah, and I, I have uh, one more thought I was thinking about, and maybe you can disagree if you want, but I think I think you'll agree. So I was speaking to someone this week who's been a chronic relapser mm -hmm. in, in recovery, 
And, you know, we're talking about why that happens for him and everything else. And one of the things I said, I said, I think, I said, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that your view of recovery, and, and I think that this is for a wider process, right? The view of healing or the view of therapy or growth or any of these retreats that we're getting into and the work that we're doing, I said, is that because your life was so bad without it, so now you found something that's one step above suicide, <laughs> self-help work. Yeah. And I, I said, the, the truth of the matter is, right, as this has been the case for me and I think a number of other people, is that it's a wildly better life than most people on the planet. Yeah. I said, when I, I you know, and I actually, I, I gave him an example. I said, when you see a guy like Dan Bilzerian, right, this guy with his guns yeah. and his women yeah, yeah. and everything else and boats, <laughs> I say, what do you think of him? And he's like, man, like there are some days I wish I can do that. And I said, he said, I don't anymore. Like I don't see that and say I want, I want that as part of my life. I feel like my life is a hell of a lot better than his. Totally. And I, th- I think that that's one of the things on um, from the, the self-help and that journey and the search and everything else is that it's, it's a far better life than well, the I, other. It's not one step above suicide. You know, and, I, and you, th- you know why I think that's the case? Because you start shifting from object referral to, to have all your referral points outside of you to start having your internal points, right? Like you were saying, like maybe some years ago when I was uh, very ambitious and I was on my script, I will have admired that life a lot, right? right? When you start shifting and saying, what are the important things for me to make me happy? Maybe now I value more the life of Ray Dalio. He's a billionaire. He does meditation every day. He has a culture in his company that the best idea wins. Um, Maybe he doesn't have the most fun life out there. He's not posting pictures of his G5 flying around the world full of, of girls. But you see a guy now giving back, writing these books, sharing all his knowledge. And you say, wow, you know, this is something who's living at least a purpose life. But in any case, what is important now in my case is what are your internal reference points, right? What is really important for you to have a fulfill and flourish and unlock your potential? And that's the thing that we need to work on. Forget about the external uh, reference points, right? Right. To be clear, what I was saying about the Dan Bilzerian is that's where I am today. When I came into recovery, seeing a post from him can send me into like a full-on <laughs> Yeah, You find me on the side of the yeah. road two weeks later, you say, what the hell happened? I was like, I don't know. I was scrolling online and I saw a post with Dan Bilzerian. And, mm-hmm. you know, next thing I knew, right, I'm thinking I wish I was there, but I'm not there. I'm such a piece of shit. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm here. So um, that's kind of been part of the work for me to be able to stay sober is to be able to neutralize myself to, to those things and not see those things as something as a life I necessarily want, but to actually look and say, hey, there's a much better life that does that doesn't have um i often t- tell people that for that this life it's it's better it's more peaceful it's more joyful the one thing that it doesn't have it doesn't have those radical ups and it doesn't have those radical yeah. downs so it's more of uh you know these the downs aren't quite as low and the ups aren't quite as ecstatic but overall it's a, a far better life to be in this space than to be in the space of just um like you said autopilot so if there are no more uh, questions, um, final thoughts, and uh, we'll... Well, listen, I think um, what I'm living right now after all these processes, and I invite people is uh, uh, to really think about how much are you in your head and start working to go in more through your heart, meaning 
you know, there's we have so much noise in our heads, right? So uh, I, I have seen the magic that happens when you start making that shift and going more to your heart and connecting to your emotions and really trying to figure out what is it really that makes you happy and what is it really that fulfills you, right? Uh, so my invitation is to explore that. And if you really are having a, a, a life that you're not happy with, if you are in that carousel, you know, starting and ending on the same point, commit at all costs that you're going to change that. And commit, and that means opening your mind and opening your heart to explore and do whatever it takes that resonates like with that, whatever you. Whatever it takes, yeah. Whatever it takes that resonates with you, just do it. Just do it. And 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 it's, it's not necessarily easy, but again, like I said at the beginning, you start putting some gas on that peace tank uh, that I think it has no price. Right. Not being afraid to uh, to ask for help. No, never. never. I mean, when my experience is when you put the intention and you're committed, help is there. You will attract the people that is going to help you. You're going to start, you know, one thing that happened to me is my whole ecosystem changed, right? Now I have... Uh, amazing mentors and coaches and people in my life. You still have coaches, right? I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I have a, a, a mentor on, as a business coach. I have uh, personal mentors. I have coaches. I have a tribe that I have created of people that is uh, committed uh, to this work. And I mean, once you enter this world and you start searching, you'll find a lot of like-minded people and a support system that... Absolutely, absolutely. It's like you start attracting them, and they start attracting you, and everything starts to 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 evolve together. And that's what I call again the co-elevation energy, which I love that term because for me, co-elevation is when two or more people connect from the heart, from unconditional love, non-judgment place, and I just want to see you succeed, and I'm gonna do what I can do to help you get there and you're going to do whatever it takes and that's the type of energy that I had with my best friend when he passed away and I remember when he passed away I had this dream that I went to him and I said man um, you left me here well, how am I going to find another friend like you and he said you know what you're going to find a lot of friends that are going to have this same energy and I'm part of that right and that's exactly what happened. So this co-elevation energy I have now with so many people that is just a beautiful thing. Got it. Sean, I'm going to answer your question. You said, how does one find the passion after they've made the money? I think um, that's kind of what Oz was saying in terms of making the journey from the head to the heart is the passion finds you. You just feel it one day. I, uh, we A few weeks ago, we had a conversation with um, uh, Rabbi Shays Taub. And he's, he mentioned that feelings are angels. So it was a, a rabbi. Love that. One of the Kabbalists, angels coming back and either reporting good news or bad news, right? So sometimes when there's, a, you know, you do something and you, what, what happened was, is he, I was talking about anxiety. It was a webinar about anxiety. And he said that, yeah, those are um, quite literally like angels that can come back, right? That it sends out a message, not necessarily that something's going to happen wrong, that that's a risk, but that there's, um, something that's out of alignment and these angels are coming back to you in the form of a negative feeling. So I said, how come the angels always come back to you reporting negative bad news? <laughs> so he said, but they're not. He said, don't you sometimes experience something and do something? Either you feel attracted towards something and you do it and then afterwards you feel good. Good in a, um, I mean like doing a workout and feeling that way afterwards, yeah. right? The feeling that 
accomplishment and fulfillment and peace. And he said, those are those angels coming back and saying, this, this works for you. You know, the first time I decided to, I was very shy as a kid and I was very, um, I had stage fright and I was, <laughs> I didn't like talking in front of more than a few people. And eventually I challenged myself and I said, I'm going to speak in front of a room. And the first time I did it was just as a challenge, the same way I uh, once challenged myself to rappel down a mountain just because it was something I was afraid of doing. But that I did once and I've never done again. But when I did, when I spoke, something just clicked inside me and I said, I'm not going to ignore that feeling. Mm -hmm. And there was a few years where I did, I pushed it away and I said, it's silly. Why should I do it? Who cares that I enjoy it? It's a waste of time. Let me focus on something else. What am I attention? What am I an attention seeker or whatever else? And then after a certain point in time, I just said, you know, I, there's, it just clicks when I do it. I feel better. I sleep better. So I'll keep doing it. If it's sending this message to me that this is something. So hopefully Shana, that answers your question that, uh, the passion finds you. You don't find the passion. Yeah, and I think it has to do with the vibrational space that you are, right? So that's why it's so important to get out of your head, to connect with your heart, because you get rid of all the noise that prevents you to have that connection, right? right. That connection between, uh, you know, when I learned meditation, I learned this concept that, you know, that quantum field sits between thoughts, right? So if you get out of the mind a little bit and you connect mm -hmm. with that space, so you are in your heart, right? You're connecting with that vibration where everything is possible, where your purpose is really is out there. That your purpose, You came to this life with a purpose and that's right there. You just need to connect with that, right? right? So how do you connect with that? You get to get, you know, away from your head and start being more in your heart and start feeling this vibration because I do believe that there is a vibration and there is a frequency for abundance, for opportunities, for right. ideas. I don't think you find ideas. I think the ideas find you, right? right? But you have to be in certain vibrational mode. I don't think Elon Musk, uh, you know, just he comes with all these ideas. I, this, I think he's in certain vibration that these ideas find him, right? And then cool. he executes on them. Yeah, one of the things I found um, interesting is if you look at certain ideas that they almost seem like they come to the world, like they didn't exist, and then two or three people do it at the same time, and they don't even know about it. Totally, man. It happened to me. It happened to me with the idea when I start when we started with the idea of doing this. I love the word co-elevation. I think yeah. I, I just love it. It gets me uh, energy uplifted. So when I went to register co-elevation, somebody registered three months before. Right. I was like, how does this happen? You know, and I remember my girlfriend telling me, you know, let's hurry up. Now we have uh, the raw way and let's do it because it's, it, ideas come to this world and exactly that happens. You know, right. Very interesting. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, where can people follow you? And so I have my, and the best way is in Instagram. My 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 Instagram is the way of us os os, uh, and also uh, on my webpage, which is os alvarez osalvarez.com. Yep. All right. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. My conversation with us. What a great conversation. Um, I expect that he and I will. Have a friendship after this and be doing some more things together. So stay tuned to that. In the meantime, please rate, please share, and please listen to some of these other episodes. And I got a lot more coming for you. Thanks so much. Have an awesome day.